Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 47 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This is part one of a two-part case, with the second instalment available next week. Listener caution is advised as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. When he left his home to look at the sky dish, there was someone waiting outside in the dark, armed with a high-powered crossbow. A crossbow members of the jury is a silent, quick and deadly weapon. Prosecutor Peter Rouch QC, Mould Crown Court, January 2020. Gov D is a property set alone among beautiful scenic surroundings on 30 acres of land. Located on Anglesey, an island off the northwest coast of Wales, the building has stood there for well over 200 years. First a working farm, and then for the last 20 years a home where pensioner Gerald Corrigan and his partner of 30 years Marie Bailey quietly enjoyed their retirement. Their home was near South Stack Road in Hollyhead, and not far from the rugged and beautiful Porth Davock Beach, ideal for Gerald, as he was someone with a lifelong passion for nature and photography. He retired from his position as a photography and video lecturer at Blackpool College of Art in Lancashire 20 years prior. He would often go fishing nearby Mackerel Rock, 
then returned to Marie in the modest two-story pebble-dashed home that had been renovated in the 1960s. The property wasn't a place travellers would stumble upon. Sometimes a sat-nav would lead people near when they veered off course from their intended destination. The couple were happy, but life was not without its challenges. Marie had the autoimmune neurological disease multiple sclerosis, which meant Gerald had also adapted to Marie's changing health, becoming in many ways her carer. Thursday, April 18th, 2019. Marie left the house to do some shopping. She came home and spent an afternoon and evening with Gerald. It was an ordinary day with the couple receiving no visitors. They had dinner and watched some television together, much as they did every night, before Marie retired to bed at 9pm, leaving her partner up surfing the internet in front of the TV. This wasn't an unusual thing for him to do. At midnight, Gerald was still awake and watching a pre-recorded television programme. Sometime between 12.08am and 12.28am on Good Friday, the picture was lost. The signal seemed to be interrupted, and Gerald suspected the fault to be with the sky satellite dish that was secured at ground level on the wall outside. In the darkness, with only some faint light shining out from the house, he went outside to see what the problem was, so he could get back to the comfort of the sofa to watch his television show. While tinkering with the dish, leaning his arm against the pebble-dash wall of the house, Gerald Corrigan felt a searing pain shoot through his body. His immediate instinct was he had been electrocuted, and he staggered inside in immense pain with no clue as to what had happened. He shouted for Marie, who was still fast asleep in their bedroom. She was woken with a start when a panicked voice was calling to her from downstairs. Gerald somehow managed to walk up the steps and into the bathroom. In agony and shouting, Gerald was gripping his arm. With the light now on, Marie noticed her partner's top was covered in blood. The couple thought that somehow his arm was broken, but Marie knew it was bleeding too heavily for that to be the case. Initially, she thought about driving him to the hospital, but seeing the extent of the blood, she called for help. Marie dialed 999, telling the operator that her partner was bleeding quite heavily. Gerald Corrigan, who was still conscious, shouted that he felt he was having a heart attack and Marie told the paramedics to hurry. When the crew from the Welsh Ambulance Service arrived at the house, they noticed the green metal gate at the front of the property was still open and more alarmingly, there was a trail of blood from the garden to the house. Gerald looked very ill, in a state of traumatic shock. They thought it was sheer adrenaline that got him into the house and up the stairs. When tending to Gerald, a paramedic discovered two puncture wounds, one above his right nipple and another on his left side underneath his ribcage. The injuries were still bleeding profusely, 
one of the ambulance crew asked to see where the satellite dish was outside. It was then he stumbled across what appeared to be a bolt or shaft of an arrow in the grass covered in blood. The paramedic Richard Roberts asked Marie, do you have anything to do with bows and arrows? She said she didn't. Realising her partner was attacked, Marie Bailey told the paramedic that there had been a disagreement about leasing a field, a claim repeated by Gerald Corrigan who mentioned it to the other paramedic, Hugh Hardy. Richard Roberts placed the arrow shaft in a plastic bag. He also asked if the front garden gate was usually open. Marie said it should have been closed to stop the cows wandering in from the surrounding fields. Gerald Corrigan was in a bad way. Neither an electric shock or broken arm due to an accidental fall had got him in this position. It was a broadhead arrow that had been fired from a high-powered crossbow. Broadheads are designed for hunting animals. They are equipped with razor-sharp arrowheads to sever a prey's arteries, ensuring the animal bleeds out fast. In a critical condition, Gerald was rushed to Asbutty Gwyneth, a hospital in Bangor. He underwent emergency surgery as the arrow had ricocheted and caused untold internal damage. After a procedure to remove his spleen and attempt to repair injuries to his stomach and colon, Gerald was put into an induced coma. As a father of two adult children, Gerald's son Neil and daughter Fiona had to be informed of their father's admittance to hospital and his condition. The call with life-changing news was made around 7am that morning. At this point, police considered this to be a near-deadly, albeit tragic, accident. One possibility was, while Gerald Corrigan shuffled around in the darkness fixing his satellite dish, a hunter who was operating illegally with a crossbow fired the weapon when they saw some movement in the shadows. Or it may well have been a lamper, a nighttime hunter who uses bright lights to target animals. Gov D was now a crime scene and Marie had to stay elsewhere while the police conducted their investigation. A police helicopter circled above to carry out a search of the surrounding area. Police dogs were brought in, and a forensic team combed the scene. It became clear that Gerald Corrigan's injuries were too extensive for us Butty Gwyneth to deal with, and he needed specialist care. He was transferred to Royal Stoke University Hospital to receive treatment at the Specialist Trauma Unit. Gerald had been right to some extent. His right arm was broken. The arrow had shattered the radius bone in his forearm, meaning that his right arm must have been alongside him when he was shot. It transpired his other injuries were even more traumatic than first thought. At lightning speed, the arrow had first pierced the lower part of Gerald's left side, damaging his spleen, intestine, stomach, liver, colon and diaphragm 
then almost slicing his heart before exiting through the right side of his upper chest and then into his right arm. A sympathetic appeal from the North Wales Police was issued to the public calling for witnesses to come forward, or anyone who had been hunting in the area as they may have struck Gerald Corrigan accidentally. No one could understand why Gerald had been hurt. His family stood vigil at his bedside and released a joint statement. This is a horrific incident that has happened to our family. We cannot think of anybody who may have wanted to hurt our father and dear partner. We are trying to come to terms with this shocking incident. Over 30 police officers were assigned to the case and an incident room was set up in Llangevny Police Station. In addition, specialist staff were utilised from other forces. Engelsey particularly in the rural setting where Gerald and Marie lived, was a low-crime seaside destination. It was hard to believe such a heinous assault had happened to a pensioner doing something so ordinary as adjusting his satellite dish on his own land. Anglesey is also a popular place for holidaymakers, with holiday parks scattered throughout the area offering employment to many locals. This made the investigation challenging, as a large percentage of the public were only there temporarily. Still, the police were quick to perform house-to-house inquiries, including questioning those individuals who stayed in caravans or camping vans at the time of the attack. In the light of day, following a thorough search of Gerald Corrigan's home, more evidence was discovered. A small amount of blood spatter was found on the pebble dash wall near the satellite dish. Near that spot, two shards of metal, triangular in shape, were also discovered, and then a third. They had found the head of the arrow. An appeal was put forward by North Wales Police. They focused on people that were involved in hunting, lamping, or pest control. Although April 22nd was a bank holiday for the public, North Wales Police continued in their search for the person responsible. Appeal posters were put up around the town, hoping someone would come forward with some useful information. A 74-year-old elderly gentleman remains in a life-threatening condition at Spuddy Gwyneth Bangor after being shot with what we believe was a crossbow. The investigation is at an early stage and we are working hard to establish the circumstances behind this incident. A significant number of inquiries are underway involving detectives from throughout North Wales, the local policing team and crime scene investigation officers. Addressing the possibility that it may have been a hunting accident gone wrong, Senior Investigating Officer DCI Brian Kearney said, This is an impartial search for the truth. And I have no doubt that any person who discharged such a weapon accidentally at a human being would be significantly traumatised. You will be treated professionally by myself and my team of officers. Our community and the victim's family want you to come forward of your own free will and do the decent thing 
to help them understand what happened. Reiterating how unusual this crime was for such a peaceful town, DCI Kearney went on to say, We are grateful to our community for the help and support we continue to receive. North West Wales remains one of the safest places in the UK. This is a highly unusual incident for this area, and we are determined to find whoever was responsible for this as a matter of urgency. The following day, news came in about the health of 74-year-old Gerald Corrigan. It was said despite his extensive injuries, he was now in a critical but stable condition. He had not regained consciousness and was using a ventilator to help him breathe. Detective Chief Inspector Brian Kearney again appealed to the public. Today is the sixth day of the investigation into the serious incident in which Gerald Corrigan received life-threatening injuries. Gerald remains in hospital in Stoke with significant life-changing and indeed life-threatening injuries. We hope he does pull through. This is an appeal to the individual concerned that has got key information in relation to this case. Please come forward. Our community want answers. We need to establish what has happened that has caused Gerald to be in this life-threatening state in hospital. DCI Kearney went on to say, I'm also asking any member of the public who knows of anyone who owns a crossbow and was on the Isle of Anglesey on the 18th and 19th of April to contact us. This includes anyone who was visiting Anglesey at the time. Police followed a new line of inquiry, gathering information from crossbow suppliers across the UK. Towards the end of April, Gerald Corrigan's condition took a turn for the worse. Sepsis had rapidly set in. His organs were impaired and his kidneys were failing. Further surgeries followed, but despite the best efforts of medical staff, at 4.50am on Saturday, May 11th, 2019, with his family by his side, Gerald Corrigan succumbed to his injuries. He passed away at Royal Stoke University Hospital. The hunt for whoever shot the crossbow was now even more urgent. On May 12th, led by Detective Chief Inspector Brian Kearney, the inquiry which had at first been considered a possible hunting accident was now gathering pace with a new appeal. In a press release, DCI Kearney said, North Wales Police have now launched a murder investigation. However, we continue to keep an open mind in relation to the sequence of events that led to Gerald's death. The detective chief inspector told the public that anyone with any information, no matter how insignificant, could come forward and speak to the investigation team in total confidence. It was noted when potential witnesses called, they should quote Operation Blue Flugent. Twenty-five cyclists and pedestrians travelling along South Stack Road near to the junction of Porth Davock Road and Plass Road, close to Gerald and Marie's home, was stopped and questioned between 10pm on Thursday, May 23rd 
and 4am on Friday, May 24th, in the hope they had seen something the night Gerald was shot. A team of divers searched the seabed of the nearby coastline, but no useful evidence was gathered. Progress was slow. Almost eight weeks since Gerald Corrigan had been shot, the team working the murder inquiry would come to learn of an interesting development. At first, it was considered to be nothing more than the theft of a motor vehicle and did not seem to have any relevance to the case. On June 3rd, police were alerted to the scene, 28 miles away from Govdee at a disused quarry in Llantlicid in Bangor. The vehicle had been burnt out and abandoned. The white Land Rover Discovery was stolen from outside a residence on Anglesey. The next day, four properties were searched after warrants had been granted. Detective Chief Inspector Brian Kearney provided an update, telling the media that, early this morning, Tuesday the 4th of June, Teams of detectives supported by crime scene investigators and specialist search trained officers drawn from throughout North Wales have conducted searches at a number of addresses in the Hollyhead area. No arrests have been made following these searches, which are part of numerous ongoing inquiries in respect of the murder of Gerald Corrigan. Just under three weeks later, Gerald's funeral was held on Monday, June 24, 2019. It took place at St. Vincent's de Paul Roman Catholic Church in Knutsford. After the ceremony, Gerald's two children, Fiona and Neil, and his long-term partner, Marie Bailey, paid an emotional tribute to the person they had lost. Fiona described what kind of father Gerald was. She said, My dad was a very kind and funny man. He taught me an appreciation of art and nature. There are so many happy moments we shared, and I will miss him too much to say. Gerald's son Neil spoke of his father's temperament and beliefs. My dad believed in the good in people, and in life, and in the importance of family, friendship and love. He taught me that we can change, that to forgive brings freedom, and that we should believe in the best in people as no one is perfect. Marie made it clear her partner was sorely missed, not only by his family but others who knew him too. She said, He was my best friend and my soulmate. All the time we have been together, I have been proud to walk at his side and he stood beside me always. His family and friends, colleagues and neighbours are all shocked and horrified at his senseless murder. We all loved and honoured him, and will treasure his memory for all the days of my life, although I would have preferred to treasure him, not just his memory. As the investigation progressed, All indications were that Gerald Corrigan had been deliberately targeted. The North Wales Police made it clear that Gerald's death was not an accidental shooting by someone hunting, and a day after the funeral in the early morning hours, several warrants were executed. This morning, four people have been arrested 
as part of the investigation into the murder of Mr Gerald Corrigan that occurred on Anglesey on the 19th of April this year. These arrests are part of an ongoing inquiry that North Wales Police have launched and have been working on tirelessly since Gerald's death. Of the four people arrested, a 38-year-old man from the Bringoran area was the prime suspect. The man shouted, I'm not fucking talking to you, as he was taken into custody. A 50-year-old was also arrested on separate offences including money laundering and fraud, along with two other men, a 48-year-old and a 36-year-old. They had been arrested for conspiracy to commit murder, conspiracy to commit fraud, and other related offences including arson. An additional three properties linked to them were also searched. Detective Chief Superintendent Wayne Jones told the press, I am convinced that there are members of our community who may have key information regarding this terrible attack on Gerald. I would appeal to those people to come forward and speak to us in confidence, or alternatively contact Crime Stoppers. North Wales Police were granted an additional 36 hours to continue interviewing the suspects. The burned-out Land Rover Discovery, which had been found at the start of June, was now officially being linked to Gerald Corrigan's murder. The man police suspected to be the murderer was Terence Michael Wall. The twice-married father of two was a sports therapist personal trainer and Tai Chi instructor formerly from East London. Wall now lived in Bringoran on Anglesey with his partner Emma Roberts. He moved to Wales following the breakdown of his marriage in 2009. He remarried six years later, but again this ended in divorce. He'd been in a relationship with Emma Roberts, his partner at the time of his arrest, since the start of 2018. They moved in together during August of that year, with the couple raising Emma Roberts' children. Wall had a son from a previous marriage, though the boy lived with his mother. Wall claimed during the lead-up to the incident he was injured, with his movement restricted. He said he had been to the health centre next to the Britannia Bridge on April 8th. During the examination he said he could not fully straighten his leg, so was granted a referral. When he was working, sometimes as a personal trainer, sometimes teaching Tai Chi, he was charging £60 an hour. There are YouTube videos still available of Terence Wall talking about his martial arts moves. Right, easy takedown. What you want to do, take the hand and control the elbow. If I don't control the elbow, if I just control the hand, his elbow's going to come in and he's going to twat me one. So I'm here, take the hand and I take his balance. I just come into here, he's going to twat me one with this. So I need to come, I need to take his balance enough to get him to lean. If I go too far, he's going to keep stepping in and he's going to re-step. A few years earlier, Terence Wall had met Barry Williams. At the time, Wall was working as a personal trainer and Williams needed a sports massage following an injury. After several months of treatment, the two became friends. They bonded over martial arts and spent some time together exercising, 
walking, hiking and biking. Barry Williams also attended the Tai Chi classes Wall taught. Williams started to help his friend record videos of his classes. But by June 2019, they were both being questioned by police in connection with Gerald Corrigan's murder. While being interviewed by police, Terence Wall gave his first account of what he was doing on the day leading up to Gerald Corrigan's death. Wall said his partner and the children were out of the house. After he got up, the entire morning was spent watching films on Amazon Prime. Within that time frame, he sent a text message to his son, wishing him a happy birthday. Approximately 2pm, he left the house in his partner's white Land Rover Discovery to get something to eat. He believed it was probably a McDonald's. Wall told police that the vehicle was having issues at the time, so much so he wanted to take it back to the dealership. After he returned home, Wall said that's where he stayed. Emma Roberts and the children came back in the early hours around 3am and their arrival woke him up. Wall said he did not know Gerald Corrigan and had not travelled to his home. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Center. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand. And now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. 
What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safer families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to Centair.com and using promo code AMONGUS for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at Centair.com. At his first court appearance, Terence Wall spoke only to confirm his name and address. As he left the court, photographed by a crowd of reporters, and he was handcuffed wearing a prison-issue grey tracksuit with a smile on his face. The case was adjourned until a formal plea was entered at the beginning of autumn. The trial was scheduled to take place during January 2020. Three other people arrested in connection with the investigation were released on conditional police bail. The appeal for witnesses continued as so far no one had seen Terence Wall or anyone else at the scene. DCI Brian Kearney said, As part of the ongoing investigation into the murder of Gerald Corrigan, I am appealing to anyone who is in the Porth Davock Beach area, which is a short distance from his address in Hollyhead, between 11pm on Thursday the 18th of April and 1am on Friday the 19th of April, to come forward. During the appeal for information, North Wales Police also issued several black and white photographs of three vehicles they were looking to trace. The drivers had travelled along Porth Davock Road shortly before and after the incident. At a plea and case management hearing in September, along with Terence Wall, Darren Dennis Jones, 41, his brother Gavin Jones, 36, both from Bangor, and 34-year-old Martin Wayne Roberts from Penrose Garnith will also face charges of conspiracy to commit arson and perverting the course of justice, after it was alleged they had helped destroy evidence by setting fire to a vehicle used to commit the crime. Darren Jones and Martin Roberts also faced an additional charge of arson. All the defendants pleaded not guilty. Jurors filed into Court 2 of Mould Crown Court to be sworn in for the murder trial by Justice Neris Jefford. They were told that retired photography lecturer Gerald Corrigan, known as Jerry, was struck by a broadhead arrow from a crossbow in the early morning hours of Good Friday. Gerald Corrigan died on May 11th, and following a lengthy investigation, arrests were made throughout June. Terence Michael Wall was the man the prosecution alleged was responsible, and he was charged with murder, conspiracy to commit arson, and perverting the course of justice. The prosecution argued that Terence Wall was heavily in debt, £36,091 to be exact, and although they believed he committed the crime, the reason for why was not as easily identified. His co-defendants Martin Roberts and brothers Darren and Gavin Jones were charged with assisting Wall on lesser charges. The trial was scheduled to last around four to five weeks. 
In his opening remarks, Peter Rouch QC described Gerald Corrigan as a night owl and his partner Marie Bailey as an early bird. They were creatures of habit, according to the prosecutor, this being the reason why Gerald was up watching television and his partner was asleep. The signal to the home sky television box was interrupted, so Gerald Corrigan went outside to check. The dish was fixed at ground level close to the floor, so it was easily accessible. Sky confirmed the signal for the recorded program transmitted to the property was interrupted. Around 12.30am is when it is believed the attack occurred. Following the incident, several experts were consulted to understand what exactly happened. It was unlikely anyone at the property would have seen an individual stalking the home as the outdoor lights had not been operational for the last year and a half. The prosecutor explained that Dr. Brian Rogers, a forensic pathologist, and Andre Horn, a ballistics expert, reviewed the victim's injuries and based their findings on the location, the trajectory of the arrow, and their understanding of the environment. Gerald Corrigan's DNA was found in the blood that coated the arrow. It was predicted that the individual who fired the crossbow was positioned at a distance of around 10 metres, close to the garden wall, most likely hidden behind it. Blood marked the pebble dash wall of the home, near to where the satellite dish was positioned. There were impact marks made after the arrow had penetrated Gerald Corrigan's body. The arrow had detached from the shaft when it struck the wall. Some of the pebbles were chipped off and lying on the floor. The 20-inch shaft or bolt, made from fibreglass coated in blood, was found in the grass by a paramedic who attended the scene, and three pieces of metal that formed the blades of the arrowhead were found by officers during a later search of the property. It was likely when the arrow had struck the house, it shattered upon impact. Addressing the expert's theory of what happened, the prosecutor told the jury of six men and six women, only one bolt was fired, which was accurate and hit its mark. You may think that the shooter was proficient in the use of a crossbow and must have undertaken target practice before killing Mr. Corrigan. You may also think that the killing would have required planning, and a reconnaissance of the place where the killing was to be done. The killer would want to know the layout of the premises. He would want to know where he could wait with his crossbow, maybe how to get Mr. Corrigan out of the house, the angle that would be involved with the shot, how far away he would be, and the distance he would have to shoot. Tracing the journey of the arrowhead, it was obvious Gerald Corrigan's wounds were catastrophic. After an appeal was made for information surrounding the sale of crossbows, the director of Outdoor Hobbies Limited reached out to the police to help. It was considered that perhaps the individual had purchased the weapon through them. Current estimates suggest there are around 200,000 to a quarter of a million crossbows in circulation in the UK. Director Gary Tremble reviewed the sales of the weapon from his company over the last 10 years and provided this information to the investigation team. Officers contacted 17 individuals from Anglesey on the list 
and found that Terence Wall had purchased one the very month that Gerald Corrigan had been shot. Fifteen of the 17 cells were made up to 2015. This is why they initially wanted to speak to him. Officers were presented with a weapon that had not been used as it allegedly arrived after the attack. It cost £750 and four bolts were included. The order of an Excalibur crossbow was made on April 11, 2019. It was dispatched on April 18th, not reaching Wall's home until April 23rd. It could not have been the murder weapon. However, Wall admitted that at one time he had owned another crossbow. He had sold this weapon to a stranger and could not remember their name. The individual had at first allegedly inquired after Terence Wall's van, however he said it was not for sale. Wall described the stranger as looking like a, quote, gypsy from the film Snatch. Wall offered to sell the crossbow with a mounted sight for £180, as he complained it was apparently too heavy for the kids to use. Wall's home was subsequently searched, but all police could find was a punching bag full of holes. His DNA was not found at the scene or on the arrow. Several weeks after Wall spoke to the police, on June 3rd a member of the public reported seeing a car on fire in a disused quarry in Llanthicid in Bangor. The tyres and tank exploded as the bystander watched on. The site is located just over 20 miles southeast from where Wall lived in Bringoran in Anglesey. Terence Wall's partner Emma Roberts owned two vehicles, a Mercedes and a state-of-the-art Land Rover Discovery. The torch vehicle turned out to be the Land Rover. The couple had been out the day it was stolen, and Emma Roberts did not realise until the pair were contacted by the police. Although the car was damaged, they found what the prosecutor described as a black box, which recorded and transmitted every single movement the vehicle makes, when it's switched on or off, when doors are open or shut, and where the car has been. Frustratingly, the black box was too damaged in the fire for police to retrieve any useful information. However, previous to the incident, the data was transmitted to the manufacturer Jaguar Land Rover, where they stored the details in a cloud-based storage system. The GPS tracking could be accurate within five metres. After analysis using the Land Rover's telemetry system, police were able to tell that on the evening of April 17, 2019, the car was used to travel to the remote home near the outskirts of Hollyhead, where Gerald Corrigan lived with Marie Bailey. The journey took 22 minutes, with the car stopping at 9.42pm. It stayed there with the vehicle's doors being opened several times. The engine was started again at 10.05pm. The car travelled to Porth Davock Beach less than a mile away, where it stayed until just before midnight. CCTV from neighbouring properties also backed up the telemetry data from the Land Rover. The following day, the car was used again. The boot was opened at 10 to 11 that evening, being driven away from Wall's home and arriving at Porth Davock Beach around 20 minutes later. 
the prosecutor believed that Terence Wall was driving the car. Peter Rouch QC said, We say that Wall left the discovery and walked up the coastal path to Gov D, where he prepared himself for the shooting, which he carried out. The Land Rover's doors were again opened at 12.42am, around 12 minutes after the attack. CCTV captured the car making the journey to and from the property. The vehicle arrived back at Wool's address at approximately 12.57am. This was confirmed through the car's tracking system. Gerald Corrigan had been shot 27 minutes earlier. This provided exactly the right amount of time for an assailant to carry out the assault, head back to the vehicle which was parked at Porth Davock Beach and return home. Terence Wolf's partner was on holiday at the time and he was the only one with access to the car. Based on comments made by the prosecution, Wool had watched videos online which highlighted the damage a crossbow and a broadhead arrow could do. He was also familiar with the type of weapon used. Further suspicions were also raised as Wool's iPhone and its corresponding SIM card were no longer used after Gerald Corrigan was shot. It had been traced around that location at 12.23am through the analysis of cell tower data. In later testimony, it was stressed that as cell tower masts in rural areas are further apart, the prosecution could not offer a precise location. The data should only be used to identify a general area of focus. Wall also purchased some crossbow arrowheads and shafts a few weeks before Gerald Corrigan was killed, and they were the exact combination that had been found at the scene. Following a further investigation by the police, they discovered that one other individual had purchased that same combination in 2018 for a hunting trip to South Africa, although he was unable to travel. This person could hand over the exact amount of broadheads and arrow shafts he ordered. These were presented as evidence in court. While Wool was insistent that he did not know Gerald Corrigan or his partner Marie Bailey, detectives came to learn that one of his co-defendants, Gavin Jones, had worked around the grounds of Govdi as a handyman who helped cut the grass, filled the oil tank, and also did some work at Gerald Corrigan's mother's. Jones was friends with the sports therapist, and the two shared a love of martial arts. Wall had been his personal trainer. As the timeline of the events were relayed to the court, jurors were also shown a 3D image of Govdi. This included the precise location of where the crossbow arrowhead and arrow shaft were discovered, along with the blood spatter found at the scene. They were also shown drone footage of the coastal path, a journey police say the killer would have taken. Detective Chief Inspector Brian Kearney, who worked on the case, walked the court through the movements made by Wall's partner's Land Rover, and in a shocking revelation, he managed to obtain a crossbow arrow similar to the one used in the shooting with ease. He purchased it from Amazon. During the start of the second week of the trial, 
both Darren Jones and Martin Roberts pleaded guilty to a charge of arson. They admitted to setting fire to the Land Rover Discovery owned by Terence Wall's partner. The charges for conspiracy to pervert the course of justice and conspiracy to commit arson would lie on fire. There was evidence that the co-defendants were in contact on June 3rd before the Land Rover was stolen and found burned out. But Gavin Jones still denied the charges against him. Details of the defendants' movements were not revealed until later. Darren Jones and Martin Roberts would both be sentenced at the end of the trial. Through a recorded video interview, jurors heard from Marie Bailey, Gerald Corrigan's partner. Marie said she moved to North Wales in 1998. Gerald had retired there as he wanted a quiet life. Speaking about her partner, Marie said, He enjoyed a lion, a nice cup of tea and reading books. He loved Laurel and Hardy films and photographing flowers and mountains. Marie had not seen anything or anyone suspicious and she could think of no reason why the attack took place. Marie said she did not know Terence Wall the man it was being alleged carried out the killing. I don't know anybody who was Jerry's enemy at all, she said. I don't know why anybody would want to harm Jerry. The television was working before she went to bed as far as she was aware, but Marie said there could be problems with the signal from time to time. She wasn't sure why her partner went outside as they would usually contact Sky over the phone if they had any problems. Marie Bailey was woken in the early hours of April 19th, 2019 by her partner shouting up the stairs in a panic. How he got himself up the stairs, I don't know, Marie told the court. At the time I thought he had a broken arm and I would be driving him home. Along with a colleague, paramedic Richard Roberts arrived at the scene and noticed a trail of blood outside the property. Gerald Corrigan was saying, give me oxygen, and Richard Roberts noticed Gerald's shirt was saturated in blood. There was blood throughout the house, and a light switch near the bottom of the stairs was heavily bloodstained. While the paramedics were told Gerald had a heart attack, it was clear that something had struck him which had gone clean through his body. Dr. Tim Scott, a consultant at Royal Stoke University Hospital, had given a statement in which he described the life-saving surgery needed to treat Gerald Corrigan's injuries. Dr. Scott admitted that after Gerald had been transferred, he believed the outlook did not look good. After the horrific nature of the attack was presented to the court, along with the actions Marie Bailey took to summon help, via video link, she was cross-examined by David Elias QC. The topic turned to any potential motive or suspicious circumstances that surrounded the events in April 2019, as it had long been pondered why Gerald was specifically targeted when he was retired living peacefully for over 20 years in such a remote and safe location. 
All of the evidence from Marie Bailey had been presented through recorded interviews. However, Terence Wall's defence counsel told the court that one of those interviews had not been played to the jury. This prompted Marie Bailey to admit that she was told by someone she knew to keep quiet about what she described as a fraud. It was alleged that an individual had drained the couple's savings. Over the period of a year and a half across 20 instalments, more than £250,000 was given to this person for several reasons, including the purchase of land for development purposes, though the couple never saw any benefit from it. In one instance, along with her partner Gerald, Marie had handed over a considerable amount of money, £50,000, which they were of the understanding would be used to buy a plot of land on Anglesey. Marie was told that planning permission had not yet been granted. However, once it was, the couple's initial investment would be returned, along with a substantial amount more. The person who told Marie to keep this information about the money to herself and not inform the police was called Richard Wynne Lewis, a fellow Anglesey resident and horse dealer. A few years prior, Gerald and Marie had allowed Lewis to grow some cannabis in an outbuilding next to their home and were told there would only be a small amount which would be used to help alleviate the symptoms and pain of Marie Bailey's multiple sclerosis. Marie gave Lewis a few hundred pounds towards the cost of equipment to grow the plants. But after a length of time, oblivious to what was happening, the couple came to learn that nearly the entire outbuilding was being used, with multiple floors full of fans and heaters to improve the environment and aid in cultivation. It seemed they had got into a situation with people who did not have their best interests at heart. Gerald and Marie were perhaps out of their depth. The couple were distraught, and Lewis was asked to leave. He took everything with him. Marie testified that it was following Gerald's admission to the hospital. Lewis then told her not to mention any money changing hands. Two other individuals were apparently involved with Lewis, however their names were never provided during the trial. In the past, Marie Bailey had also given Richard Wynne Lewis money from her pension for the sale of a horse from Ireland, though much like the property development opportunity, this never materialised. Also, Lewis was said to be doing some work on Gerald's mother's old property. However, Marie never got the chance to see what improvements were made. Before Gerald died, Marie Bailey wanted to tell the police about the money, but Gerald couldn't. This information was finally passed to them in May 2019. Jurors were told with a couple's savings at an all-time low shortly before his death, Gerald Corrigan informed Richard Wynne Lewis that he had no more funds for either land development or home improvements. Marie Bailey testified that while she was not present to hear this exchange, she told the court that she knew it had happened. Marie said that after Gerald was shot, he told his partner to call Richard Wynne Lewis. However, he never picked up, but arrived at the hospital later that day. Marie testified that at the hospital, Lewis asked her if she wanted to come back to his home. 
She said that she, quote, did not feel safe with him at all. She said that she felt in danger if she stayed with him. Marie Bailey believed that Lewis's intentions were not to look after her, but to stop her talking to the police about what had happened. focus of the prosecution's case then centred on the Land Rover discovery that was owned by Terence Wall's partner. A police constable with North Wales Police's digital forensic unit detailed the car's movements presented to the court through several pieces of visual evidence captured through CCTV and GPS data which had been transmitted from a SIM card inside the Land Rover. PC David Allmark told the court that although the vehicle had been found burned out in a quarry and there was nothing inside the car that could be salvaged, the vehicle had transmitted what was described as a distress signal. Detectives contacted the car's manufacturer Jaguar Land Rover to see what information was available as they retained central records of the car's movements. Through the use of a SIM card in the car, which transmits information much like a mobile phone, the manufacturers could tell the police where the car had been and what actions the driver would have taken. The officer explained that a valid smart key had been used, but Wall told officers that both copies were not in the house when he was out with his partner. Under cross-examination, PC Ulmark, who had provided comprehensive details of the Land Rover's movements, was questioned about the possibility that the smart key used to open the vehicle could have been copied without the manufacturer being aware. He admitted that this was a possibility. It was also argued by Wool's defence counsel David Elias QC that if multiple doors were opened at the exact same second, the information stored by Jaguar Land Rover would only indicate a single movement. The defence's argument postulated that the vehicle could have been stolen and multiple individuals could have entered the car at the exact same time. While this was unlikely given the number of times the boot and doors were opened, based on the evidence presented, it was at least a possibility. While being questioned by police, Terence Wall was asked if he knew the victim or his partner. He said he did not. But when presented with the information about his partner's Land Rover discovery, which only Wall had access to, and the data from his mobile phone, he told police he had lied. He claimed his life would be ruined if his partner found out what he was up to. In an unexpected confession, Wall claimed that he could not have killed Gerald Corrigan because he was in a field nearby. He said he was with someone he should not have been with. This is the end of episode 47. To hear more on the case of the crossbow killer, please tune in next week. Thank you for listening, 
and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast... New friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.